You're listening to the Fit Mind, Fit Body podcast, where we explore the connection between a fit body and positive mental health. And our big mission, it's to help 10,000 runners to develop fitter minds in the next two years. I'm your host, Michelle Frost. Let's get moving. Welcome to this episode of the Fit Mind Fit Body Podcast, where we speak to Kobe Gore about moving your body and just how important that is. Enjoy. Today on Fit Mind Fit Body, I am very excited to introduce you all to the wonderful Kobe Gore, who I've known for a number of years. We used to uh, run together many years ago, and Kobe had a puppy dog that would come running with us, and that was the first time that I'd been running with other people with their puppy dogs rather than my own so it was it was lovely so welcome Kobe hi thanks for having me we've had a couple of um technical hiccups like we always do uh, but we are pushing our way through and trying a new way of recording so hopefully this comes out well for everyone now to get started Kobe tell me a little bit about yourself where did you grow up I grew up in Exeter right behind the chemist a home that my great-grandfather built well over 100 years ago that had been added on to as the years went on. So I did not know that. <laughs> there you go. That's amazing. And so is that where the chemist is now? Is that... The chemist is still, yeah. So the chemist is there. It wasn't always the chemist. Mm-hmm. It was the post office To when I was a kid. I'm sure it was other things as well. But when I was a kid, it was the post office and... Um, yeah, walk home from school every day and collect the mail. Because school would have been just down the road, literally. Yeah, yeah, sure was. <laughs> Great. So tell me about your, like, how many siblings you have, that um, kind of thing? I have uh, two sisters and a brother. I don't know one of my sisters very well. She grew up with her dad mm-hmm. in Queensland, so I've actually only met her once in my entire life. Oh, wow. But we've recently reconnected and have been chatting over the phone a little bit, which is nice because she's five or six years older than me, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And where where are you in the rest of the, your sibling? I'm a baby. Oh. <laughs> the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, I assume you, did you go to Exeter school, Exeter Primary School and High School? Yep primary school and then for some reason um my sister wanted to go to Riverside High and so my family thought that I should go there too um but it was a disaster I hated it um I didn't fit in and it was yeah really quite a traumatic experience Uh um so I came back to Exeter but those friendships in grade seven are so important so I kind of felt a bit out of it and then my mum decided well she met she'd met somebody and she um got engaged and she was living um in my grandparents house that um because my parents divorced when I was two Mm -hmm. and my grandparents let my mum um stay in that house to raise us yeah I imagine we would have ended up in housing commission as a single um family so they um, let mum live there, but when mum got engaged, she thought that it was no longer appropriate to stay there, um, and so she moved to Campbelltown. Oh, wow. And not want to go to Campbelltown, and I used to ride horses. Um, it feels like a lifetime ago now, but so my horse riding instructor offered for me to come and live with her, so I had grade seven at Riverside, grade eight at Exeter, grade nine at Deloraine, which I loved. Um, but living with my horse riding instructor became quite traumatic. Um, she was an amazing horse riding instructor and um, gave me lots of opportunities, but there were some clashes, I guess. I was a um, 15-year-old kid going through, you know, all those body changes and things yeah. and... Um, and I didn't have a lot of freedom 
that I perhaps had grown up with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I ended up going back and finishing grade 10 in Campbelltown, which was awful for lots of reasons, but um, still an interesting experience. So, wow. You really did yeah. move around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, then I did year 11 and 12 at college and flitted between mum and dad's house for that time. Okay. So yeah. how, what was, so you, you said horse riding. What other sporting sort of things did you do at school? I did, oh, I swam as a kid um, and we were involved in the Riverside Swimming Club mm-hmm. for a while, but I can't remember when we stopped, but I didn't, um, I was slow. I was like the last kid in every race um, at the athletic carnival. I hated cross country. I would get out of it if I could. Once we got horses when I was about 10, I'm pretty sure I was like, well, horse riding's a sport, Mum. Can't I stay home and go horse riding? And she would let me. So I missed out on lots of carnivals and things. I used to participate in the swimming carnivals. Yeah. But I also hate people looking at me. So I would feel very self-conscious, even though I was a reasonable swimmer. Um, so I stopped participating in swimming carnivals as well. So Wow. So yeah. you, you go to college, you finish college. Yep. And did you go straight to university from college? No, I took um, six months off mm-hmm. and was just working and pottering around. And then I went back to uni um, and I hated it. I didn't know anybody. My friends were it all kind of moved on mm-hmm. and I didn't have a lot of connections left over from high school and um, college. Mm-hmm. So I quit uni, mm-hmm. got a full-time job, I think it was at Telstra maybe, or this, I worked on the Spirit of Tasmania as well. Oh, wow. Uh, and just, yeah, worked and then I moved um, to Melbourne for a little while. Uh, while I was working on the Spirit and then I moved to Sydney and rode and worked in stables. Wow. And then I got a job in insurance. Kobe, you've been all over the place. I have. Yeah, I've done a few different things. So, How, how did you, like obviously you ended up going back to uni because I know yeah. what you do now. So, um, <laughs> how did that happen? Well, we moved back to Tasmania in 2007, um, my partner, my husband mm-hmm. now, and I, because um, he was from Tassie originally as well. Did you meet him here uh, or did you meet him away? In Sydney. Okay. Sydney at, I joined the Army Reserves, <gasps> so I'm there. Um, and, yeah, so I came back to Tassie and um, I was working for an insurance company and um, I pregnant with Logan mm-hmm. quite unexpectedly yeah and we I had lost my job but there was no paid maternity leave I because I'd switched jobs um just before I fell pregnant and there was yeah. I don't by the time I had Logan I would have only been with the company for 10 months mm-hmm. there's no paid maternity leave it seems crazy yeah there was only but um so I lost my job and I had to work out what I wanted to do and going back to uni seemed like the smart option. Yeah. So by the time I went back to uni though, Logan was two and we'd had Addison and she was six months. So, yeah. Wow. So you, you well, I suppose one thing that stood out then was the, or in, in regards to your, you know, sporting moving kind of thing is, the Army Reserves would have had you moving around a fair bit, I assume. Yeah, they're pretty slack, though, oh. to be honest. <laughs> they, I think they try and get people in. So I probably wasn't as fit as I should have been. Mm. I wasn't a runner. I did some running sporadically. Mm-hmm. I could do um, – I was terrible at the beep test, which is their basic requirement. I, I'm still terrible at it. <laughs> Um, and I remember when we had to do the 
BFA, which is their basic fitness assessment, um, and you have to run 2.4 kilometres at a certain time. And I can't remember what it was, but I remember feeling like I was going to die. Oh. Like, I can't, I can hardly breathe. And, yeah, it was terrible. Oh. Um, I could do the sit-ups and I could just do the push-ups. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, yeah, I was not, definitely not as fit as I should have been. Um, because I hadn't, I hadn't done anything since I stopped riding or since I started driving, driving was probably the killer mm-hmm. when I got my license because I stopped walking to my horses. Mm-hmm. I started driving to the horses. Mm-hmm. So I used to walk, you know, oh, at least two kilometers to their paddock a mm-hmm. couple of times a day and, and then home again. And, um, and then I'd go riding. So I was quite fit and active, but once I got my license, I could just drive there. <laughs> So, so, it didn't matter. <laughs> All right, so you've got two kids, you go to uni, you become a teacher. Yeah. What kind of teacher are you? I'm, well, um, I'm a primary school teacher, mm. but I'm about to be a PE teacher mm. two days a week. That's awesome. I, didn't I know, know, I'm so excited. So, oh. I'm, yeah, I'm dropping a day and going to be doing literacy support and PE. Um Four days. So, yeah, two days PE, two days literacy support. So That's wonderful. That's, is no, it, are you at Exeter? Where are you at? I'm at Beaconsfield. Oh, Beaconsfield. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Because it's a little school. Yeah. So. That's awesome. So, I guess the reason we have this podcast is to talk about your running and, and how you keep talking about how you didn't like it and you only did it incidentally because, you know, you had to for, say, the Army yeah. Reserve or whatever. So... Tell me, how did it become a thing that you do because you want to? So in, I think it was 2012, my sister was going through some stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we had her six-year-old daughter come and live with us for six months. Yeah. And um, she came with some issues and we had out of was 18 months and Logan was three mm-hmm. so they have their own challenges at those ages yeah. and we didn't really know what to do with a six-year-old we hadn't been through that age so mm-hmm. yet. um I was at uni full-time I think Adam was also at uni full-time um and Adam literally pushed me out the door and said you need to do something um so I started running and I look back now and I used to run from our house which is near the Riverside Primary School to the Pomona Road traffic mm-hmm. lights mm-hmm. I think it's only about two kilometers but it would take me about uh, 40 minutes to do that loop wow. and um, it certainly wouldn't take I, well, I think it's only a two kilometer loop in mm-hmm. totals it would take me about 40 minutes mm-hmm. The first time I ran, we ran from our house down to um, Windsor Park, and that's about was about four k. And Adam was running with me, and I was complaining the whole time. <laughs> and then I discovered that there were races that you could enter, and anybody could enter them. So I signed up for um, the Lonnie Ten. Yeah. And so I trained for that, and I remember the first time I ran. 10 kilometres was just, it felt like, you know, the most amazing thing in the world. Um, And I had no idea that there were other, you know, there were groups that you could join either. So I remember I bumped into one, a guy. I've never seen him again. Um, And I was talking about needing new shoes and he introduced, he told me about Mike at Mm -hmm. the running company in Launceston. So I went along and got some new shoes. And they were life-changing in terms of injury prevention mm-hmm. and things. My shoes were not right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I joined a group, paid a babysitter to, so that I could go on a Wednesday night to Mike's group. And I think having the goal of the 10K and then meeting um, people that were running too just helped. You know, you became accountable to somebody else as well yeah. as yourself. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so the people at that 
Mike's running group have just been amazing. So when did you first run with Mike's running group? Um, I think it was October 2012. Wow. And you still go quite regularly when you can. Oh, I go as often as I'd like <laughs> to because it's a 30-minute or a 25-minute drive now and yeah. by home from work and getting to town, it's – but I go during school holidays as often yeah. as I can. Yeah. So yeah. what's kept you doing it? What's kept you running pretty regularly in this I last 10 years? It's definitely something that I do for my mental health. I know that when I don't run, I get quite anxious. Um, mm-hmm. And that is, so yeah, just, I just feel so much calmer and I can think. And it's definitely about being mindful because I, you know, I run along and I have these thoughts go through. I don't run with music mm-hmm. um, or anything like that. I just run with my own thoughts and they just flow through and I can, go, yep, I need to deal with that later or I don't need to think about that anymore. I can, you know, let go of that and that's been amazing. I used to run with music though, but I'm a, I got stressed out by the fact that at the Lonnie 10 it said no headphones allowed. So I'm like, well, I need to train without headphones. <gasps> um, I haven't looked back really. That's interesting. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god! And then everybody runs with headphones, so I really probably could have kept going. But I think it's it's nice to just listen to yourself and you know think about process. I use it as a processing tool. Yeah. Process what's going on and um, everything that's happened. Mm. Yeah. Do you spend? Do you spend any time um, not thinking? When you're running, where you're just kind of, you know, looking around you and taking in where you are and all that kind of stuff? Absolutely. I live in Gravelly Beach now and I get to run along the river and I, I was talking to somebody on Sunday who came for a drive to run with me and he's like, oh, I get sick of running around the same places. And I'm like, yeah, I never do. I never get sick of it because... You know, there's certain points where you turn and then you're confronted with the river and mm. the view of the East Tamer and it's just amazing. So, yeah, mm. definitely running and appreciating what is around me. Mm. Where's your favourite place to run? Favorite, well, not place, the favourite type of running. Do you do you trail run or are you mostly on the road? No, I'm a road runner. Mm. I don't mind um, trails that are just dirt paths that don't have any technical stuff. <laughs> I'm so I'm so slow on trails because I'm so paranoid that I'm going to fall over and land on my face. Uh, it, it just becomes quite a painful experience for, okay. because it just – I'm not a, a super fast runner. I think I'm just kind of average. Um, so – but you could pretty much triple my time on a trail because I'm so, so paranoid about falling over. So I happen to know, we were talking just before we started recording, that you started doing some bushwalking, which is... Yeah. It's trails. <laughs> How are you going yeah. with that With that kind of, you know, the well, you, you called it, ang- you're anxious about whether you're going to fall over. Do you worry about it when you're out there bushwalking? And I'm really slow. <laughs> but I don't feel... I guess the time pressure yeah. um, when you're walking and uh, the people that I walk with don't have the same level of fitness that I do. They just walk. So mm-hmm. um, it, it keeps us pretty even and we stick together. So nobody's um, worried about it yeah. and often just as worried as me. So <laughs> it works out quite well. Oh, so, okay, so the one of the reasons you started is because your life suddenly became very busy children-wise and things like that and having to deal with yeah. different ages and, and that kind of stuff. So a lot of mums especially find it hard to find the space to get out there. So was it just that Adam was so good at pushing you out the door? How did you yeah. navigate he, that? Yeah, it was really good because I definitely wouldn't have um, – done it on my own or maintained it on my Mm. own um because I I haven't in the past like I tried to be you know Mm. I would go for the occasional run and 
and that I wouldn't run again for a week. Yeah. Um, so definitely Adam's support that has helped maintain it is, and it's become a habit. Um, but I think just the fact that I felt better as mm-hmm. well after every run and if we'd had, um, you know, a tricky time with the kids or, or whatever that, you know, I could take that time. Mm-hmm. It, I did have to, you know, pay for babysitters sometimes so I could go run and that felt very indulgent, particularly mm-hmm. because Adam and I were both at uni. Mm-hmm. Um, but we we balanced that out and weighed up the cost in terms of mental health. But it was always the thing about being a mum, I think, and, and doing those things is there's that I would have to organise a babysitter. Yeah. Adam to do there was a time that he was going to uh, cardio tennis mm-hmm. on a Wednesday night and I was desperate to go to Mike's running group and he got to go to cardio tennis with no implications whatsoever that's just what he got to do but it, I wanted to go to a running group I had to organize a babysitter yeah but well it seemed a bit unfair but once the kids got a bit older and I felt um, comfortable leaving them at home in the mornings, mm-hmm. but because they were sleeping, that made life mm-hmm. a little bit easier and being able to get out the door. Mm-hmm. And I could just get up before they woke up and head out and be home mm-hmm. before they woke up again. Mm-hmm. Meant some early morning starts, but that was okay. So is, is that something you'd find you do now? Are you an early morning person? Yes, I run in the morning. So my alarm tends to go off at 4.30 most mornings. 4.30? Kobe, what are you doing at 4.30 in the morning? Um, Well, I'm lying in bed for about 20 minutes going, oh, do I need to go for a run? Don't be stupid. You will feel like you'll be angry if you don't, with yourself, if you don't go running. Yeah. Get up. Um, So, yeah, go for, uh, I've got a six, oh, I've got two six-kilometre loops that I alternate yeah one I'd be more than the other because one of them involves the goat track yeah. which is or the or Blackwall Hill which is yeah. the goat track the very steep mm-hmm. 200 300 meter mm-hmm. um dirt road um or and Blackwall Hill is quite a a steady yeah. incline a long slog <laughs> yeah it feels like it so I don't do that as often but um so I just get up do that and then I don't feel time pressured if I get up and get it done because I like to be home and I like um to be ready myself before the kids are waking up because yeah. it's less stress because we also have um my sister's two youngest kids living with us at the moment so I've got a three and seven year old wow top of my 11 and 13 year old now so that's amazing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what an inclusive family you are Oh, well, you know, you've got to do what you've got to do when people are going through stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's wonderful. Um, I mean, just having people like you in in their lives must just be, it's great. I mean, not everybody has that kind of support around them. So you yeah. should pack yourself on the back a lot about that too, I think. That, that's awesome. And yeah. it does sound like it, um, they're a bit younger than you're too, so at least you don't have that, oh, I'm not sure what happens at this age group that you were talking about before. I don't know what a three-year-old is meant to be able to do anymore. I'm like, are we so hard? Is she meant to be able to do these things? Um, and then we're like, well, if she's just going to have to suck it up and do it yeah. because I don't have time to <laughs> be doing it for her. Because you only have so much time. That's true. Um, so... How often do you run? That was a... Um, I run most days. You do? I was, yeah, yeah, I tend to run probably between five and seven days a week. Yeah. I, and it will depend on what's been going on. Um, I know if I've got, it's going to be a busy day at school and there might be something stressful happening that I'll, I'll go for a run. Um, when we first went, we went and did um, the walls of Jerusalem between Christmas and New Year, and I'd never camped overnight on a hike before. So um, 
I was feeling really anxious and, well, I didn't need to go for a run because I was going to be walking quite a bit. I was so anxious that I woke up ridiculously early and just went for a gentle run and I felt calm and able to, and it was fine. Definitely didn't need to. And I'm getting better at making decisions not to run when we're doing hiking. Mm -hmm. I was very glad on Friday when we climbed Mount Amos Mm -hmm that I hadn't been for a run that morning because mm-hmm. while it's very short, it was very, very steep and my legs um, had quite a workout climbing up there. So, Do you have any problems with height? Or you... um, I used to, mm-hmm. but um, not so much anymore. Mm-hmm. I think I've, I've realised that it's perhaps a bit silly to let myself be stopped by something that's quite irrational. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, there's definitely something healthy about being um, scared mm-hmm. because you should be scared because then you can make better choices. Yeah, um, but I don't want to be at the bottom of the mountain anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. And I'm fine climbing up. Mm-hmm. Coming down is often where get I get. And we did... Minnow Falls, which was, um, I can't remember when we did it. With, and you, ha- you climb up through a cave. Oh, wow. And that was fine, totally fine. It's not, and then coming down, I was like, oh, no, Sarah, um, who's one of my walking buddies, um, I'm just going to stay here. And that wasn't even that scary, really, in hindsight. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm just um, going to stay here. Yeah, and forever. Well, yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, okay, all right. And, yeah, obviously I made it down because I'm here. <laughs> and I think just by doing that little bit more each time, you can manage that mm. um, fear. And, yeah. I love that statement that you said, yeah, you don't want to be at the bottom of the mountain anymore. That's Yeah. It's, it could be quite a um, profound statement <laughs> if you think about it. <laughs> Could be quite um yeah used in many ways as a metaphor. That would be cool. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> so, yeah. do you often run by yourself? It feels like you do because yeah. of the morning, early morning thing. I do. Um, I because we've got. I was running with Amy Lamprett. Mm-hmm. I think that's how you say her name. Amy, yeah. I'm sorry if it's wrong. <laughs> um, but now that I've got the girls, I'm starting half an hour earlier and that's a bit too much to ask somebody who's already so incredibly busy um so I haven't yet been running with her very much and um but yes that was really lovely we're running together twice a week um and she's insane so (laughs) she is a bit insane (laughs) in the best way though yes in her abilities to run and cover oh. lots of distances up and down Dale. Yeah, she's just incredible. Mm. Um, are you wearing a head torch? <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, that was one of the best investments I've ever um, bought, really, I think. It also gets used a lot for hanging out washing. <laughs> wow. So, I didn't... I ran around Riverside, there was always um, street lights and things, and then we moved um, uh, 2016, yeah, we moved back in with my dad for a little while, Yeah. and um, so running around Exeter, I discovered that there's not a lot of street light, <laughs> and so I went and, yeah, bought, invested in a head torch. Yeah. Yes, amazing really because it means you can get up and run in the dark and be visible. I know uh, when I was trying to fit things in with little kids as well and when my kids were little, um, running on Rosie's Drive, I used to have to use a head torch uh-huh. because if I was like you trying to do it in the dark, especially in, in winter, um, yeah. without the head torch, there's nothing down there to show me where I am. <laughs> easy to just kind of slip off on Rosie's drive and end up in the river. That's true too. And it's not the most even surface. As we know, anything out here is not that even, even when you're on the road. We've 
very excited by the new footpaths that they've put even along Rosevears and um, we've just got one down the bottom of our, our road. It's taken them four months to finish it. Oh, wow. They're almost there. So, and it's, yeah, it's lovely. My, my father lives down there as, as well in Gravelly Beach and he used to until about a year ago once uh, the first Sunday of every month we would have a family gathering there uh, where he would make pancakes for us for breakfast for because oh, nice. like 20 of us would turn up or whatever but I would always run from here down to about 7k and go on all those footpaths and down the goat track and so I know that a lot of those paths pretty well yeah running pretty, they have been pretty dodgy um and they're still few and far between but they're slowly improving <laughs> so would you say that you're a goal-orientated runner? Uh, not anymore. Mm-hmm. I definitely, um, when I started um, having a, a goal and a race to train for, um, was really important in forming those habits. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that those habits are there, the the shift has, um, has definitely changed. Running is has always been about my mental health and helping to cope with those things. But um, forming those habits, I think you need something else because mm. when you're not feeling great or there's lots of stress, it's so easy to, to stay in bed or um, go, well, I, I can't fit it in today. I can't cope. But mm. now that it is well and truly a habit and, and something that I, that I think is very much part of who I am, I can't remember the last, I think the last race I did was the Scottsdale to Bridport mm-hmm. half marathon, mm-hmm. which is very sad as yeah. Um But yeah, so I think I just choose a couple of races that I like as opposed mm-hmm. to going, I need to have a goal yeah. because it's, yeah, I, I need to run. I, I can't imagine not being able to run. Um, and I can't imagine what I would be like to live with if I couldn't run. So what example do you think you're providing for the kids? Do you, do you think about that? Um, well, I hope that they see that I'm fit and active mm-hmm. and that maybe that they might like to, you know, it's something that they can do too. Yeah. Uh, neither of my kids like mm-hmm. um, running. Yeah. They, they have tried you know, um, sporadically to join mm-hmm. in and we've, um, it's hard to fit in running yourself and then doing that extra run with them because I was getting a couple of times that, you know, we've tried in the afternoons to go running um, or in the mornings I would come home from my run and get up it and they would come and they would do a little run but that just... It, you, you know, stretched out because they didn't want to run together. <laughs> so do one at a time. And so I was having to get up earlier and earlier. And, um, and then it became too hard for them as well. So um, I tried to motivate them with, you know, showing them their times improving yeah. and things like that. But they just weren't keen. So I try and every now and then get them on their bike and they ride their bike with me. Yeah. And then they get on about how slow I am because obviously they've got wheels. <laughs> it's much easier, but um, I don't mind. <laughs> the um, the example though, I think, whenever mothers or fathers really, but um, I just I think something about uh, the uh, examples that mothers give, and that's probably all I can talk to, being a mother rather than a father, <laughs> is <laughs> so. I think there's something in that. Um, Kids know that they come from us or whatever, and if their parents can do something, that at least puts it in their toolbox, even if they don't do it as a child, or even, you know, it's just something that they can come to as they get older if they need it. You know, if their life says to them, you know, you really need to get a bit fitter, they oh, that's right, my mum is a runner, and, you know, in our example, and they'll then think it's not something they can't do. If that makes sense. Yeah, I mm. hope so. I because I certainly came to it later. My mum was not 
um, well, she played indoor cricket for okay. a while, yeah. but I wouldn't describe her as a sporty person. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's always very active. You know, she's yeah. had it for a very long time and she was always out in the garden and doing those sorts of things. But my dad um, was a triathlete for a little while. Oh, wow. And did quite well in his age group, and mm-hmm. um, you wouldn't think it to look at him now because he's had um, just horrendous um, luck with his body. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was, yeah. So I, I guess knowing that he did that probably mm-hmm. helped. And um, I think any any movement is really important. So mm-hmm. I taught myself to ride. A, well, I had Adam help me. Um, I, and taught myself to ride a bike um, when I was an adult. You couldn't ride a bike? I, did, I couldn't ride a... I didn't get off my training wheels as a kid. Wow. I, um... Yeah, and I didn't want to be walking behind the kids, mm-hmm. you know, when they were riding their bikes because it was something that we wanted them to be able to do. Um, mm-hmm. So Adam would hold the seat in the backyard... And I'd go round, and I remember I rode 500 metres from our house to the Woolworth in Riverside, and the huge sense of achievement that I I had. Um, and then I have a, a friend called Jamie, and he is just an incredible human being. He'll deny it. He'll say that he's not, but he is. <laughs> um, and we would he would come and pick me up, and we'd park at the end of Rosie's Drive, and ride to the fish shop and back. And the, the bike that I had was too big for me and the gears um, were down on the shaft, so you, you had to reach down and I couldn't take my hands off the, the handlebars and I still can't, really. Um, so he would be riding his bike and pushing me up the hills. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, just incredible, really, to to take time out of your own life to do that for somebody else. Um, And then I got a bike that was much better suited and then I started riding to uni and home and um, it's not something that I do regularly uh, because it's hard to fit it in um, because I don't like riding in the dark. Yeah. Um, And by the time I get home from work, it's, you know, feels a bit indulgent and selfish to go for a bike ride when yeah. I have seen the kids all day. Um, but it's definitely something in my toolbox now as well. Yeah. So um, when I'm injured, I hurt my ankle. I played one game of social basketball in my entire life and I fell over and tripped over somebody's foot and sprained my ankle and um, really quite badly. It was Ouch. weeks and... Um, I couldn't run, but I I could start to ride sooner than I could run. So mm-hmm. that was yeah really helpful. And um, but yeah, so just I think teaching the kids that you can start anything. It doesn't have to. You don't have to be a runner to get um, mental health benefits mm-hmm. from being physically active. You can ride a bike. I was an adult. Um, I've only started hiking in the last. 12 months and it was completely on a a whim my friend Jane who um I only met in 2019 her daughter and my son became friends and we started hanging out and her husband was like you guys should go away together somewhere and I was like oh okay and we went to Cradle Mountain and we did Dove Lake and Marion's Lookout and I decided I wanted to do the Overland track for my 40th which is not too far away and um so we started looking into that and um and my other friend jace um had done meander falls and i was like oh that doesn't look too bad we should go and do that and um that was probably our first proper bushwalk yeah not the bushwalk because uh but um and it was a complete disaster we were looking at the map and went oh there's a nice loop we should we should do the loop but it's much more challenging and we didn't um, – it's not not well marked to get to yeah. Meander Falls from Split Rock. Um, 
over a boulder field, something we'd never seen before or had to traverse. And so we were about 500 metres from the falls, but we didn't know that. Oh, no. So we turned around and went back the way we came. Oh. And um, so really we, we could have given up, but um, Sarah, Jane and I decided that, no, we would definitely do the overland track um, for my 40th. Um, and so we slowly started buying gear and doing a few more uh, walks and, and things and we are going almost every weekend at one point and we've had to back off of, you know, Christmas mm-hmm. period really yeah. with the denting, um, being able to, to get out or the lead up to Christmas really. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so we're actually going to hopefully book in and do it this year, so a couple of years early, but um, because there's just so many to do that we're like, well, why wait now? Um, so I'm hoping that I'm teaching my kids that, um, yeah, you can just be moving your body is so important yeah. and like I always, I'm always in a good mood when I come home from mm. um, a hike. Like I'm never, never grumpy. In fact, I probably feel better after hiking than I do after running because when I come home from a run, there's still that daily grind of yeah. oh, I've got to get ready for work and get the kids off to school and and things like that. Whereas when I'm usually I'm coming home from a hike in the evening, and it's just getting the kids into bed and um, relaxing so yeah. you still have that that yeah so I, I, it's just so important that body movement um, yeah and I don't think I was taught that as a kid I don't think there was an understanding in my family of, of the benefits to mm-hmm. moving your body mm-hmm. um, so. which you'll now be able to take into your PE teaching I will and that, yeah because I, I and, cut, and being the kid that was slow, mm. I remember um, fruit salad was the worst game because it just meant that I was always in the garbage. Oh. Like, I'd never – and that, you know, I'm probably lucky that – or I had some other things happening that I didn't – that didn't, you know, translate into um, – Everything else. You know, a I, I mm. held on to, mm. but I can imagine a, a kid that has, um, you know, might be overweight, so has some body image issues as well, and maybe, you know, they're not, um, they have some learning challenges as well, and then they're told that they're garbage because yeah. they're in fruit, sal- fruit salad. Like, that would be very traumatic. Yeah. I, uh, I remember I did write a, an essay on it for uni. And um, because, uh, yeah, so I'm hoping that through my PE teaching that I'll be able to teach kids that it doesn't really matter what you can do, that it's about, you know, each time you can be better. Yeah. Your your personal time or your, you know, you can do 10 sit-ups today, but maybe you can do 12 tomorrow Mm. and, you know, any... And sometimes you'll go backwards too, and that's okay. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Um, especially you know, instilling in them that it's more about their personal, like being a little bit better tomorrow than I was today necessarily, or better today than yeah. I was yesterday, um, or, or plateauing, or as you said, it is okay to step back and to go backwards in order to come forwards <laughs> again too. That's yeah. Having all of that, that's fear of failure. It's something that I've... Because um, having been a teacher myself once a very long time ago, that's one thing I, I, yeah, wished that there was different ways in schools that people, in fact, we would celebrate failure because it means that, you, yeah. you know, you've learned even more, not just that you're really good at something, but hey, this is something you could improve on if it's something you wanted to do or yeah. something that maybe isn't your the thing for you, you know, so. Uh, I worry that we... Um... We're taking opportunities away from kids to make responsible mm-hmm. risk-taking or to develop responsible risk-taking behaviour. Um, I love 
the installation of those climbing frames that they've put in at Tail Race Park yeah. and Riverbend because kids can climb those and it's scary. Oh, I've been up one, it's scary. Um, <laughs> but, you know, kids don't go on climb trees anymore. I mean, I spent my childhood jumping over the fence and climbing the dirt piles mm. at the council yards and going mm. to the tip because it was mm. my my backyard essentially. Yeah. Um, whereas, I, oh, and I wouldn't let my kids do that now. <laughs> um, but yeah, they have less. I think kids have less opportunities to to develop those skills. So I think if we can, yeah, definitely encourage um, kids to own their own failures and learn from mm. those rather than comparing themselves to other people. And I think that's something that running has taught me as well. Like, because I'm – you go for, you know, in one of those uh, – the Lonnie Tenton and you can't pick who's going to be faster than you. No. Like, you look at somebody and you go, oh, yeah, I should be able to beat them. But that's not going to be the case because um, they might, I don't know, they might train harder than you or they might be feeling better on that day. Or, yeah. Um, yeah. So no no guarantee that the, the, the thin, skinny person is going to be the fastest. And I think running is, you know, such an inclusive sport. Anybody can can do it. Yeah. Put one foot in front of the other. Um, I don't get to enough park runs, but I think park run certainly um, helps encourage that. Mm. Um, and clubs like the Launceston Running Club as well. I started that during the initial COVID mm-hmm. um, pandemic and lockdown and um I loved it coming along and it was so inclusive and there were runners of all different abilities and um, I think, yeah, there's no, no judgment on, on who, who is a good runner. Everybody that runs is a good runner Yeah. because you're doing it. Yes, because you're out there. You're a runner. So when do you think you first called yourself a runner? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's probably just something that's happened over time I I don't I don't know maybe after my first um running maybe after my first running event when I Mm -hmm. felt maybe you know when you felt like you could run you know a reasonable distance comfortably like you know five five k's is you know you're doing five k's I think that's pretty awesome um and then yeah I think if you can do God, if you can run two kilometres, that's pretty awesome too, really. It is. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know, but I'm, I definitely am a runner. Yeah. Uh, and I think – and it's definitely a huge part of who I am. So how long um, do you think you'll run for? Um, oh, I hope for – until I die, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't I I don't I don't want to be an old person that can't move their body and mm-hmm. be out there. Um, if I'm not running, then I hope that I'm still bushwalking and and at least being able to to walk comfortably. Um, I, yeah, I hope that I can keep doing it for. As long as I can. Forever. <laughs> Forever. Until Forever. I'm, yeah. Forever. And I'm to, you know, go to sleep and, and not wake up, I guess. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, what would be the one thing in your life that would not be as good if you weren't a runner? So how has running improved your life? In what, oh, what way? Or I think I have better relationships with people because mm-hmm. I'm less anxious I'm I think it's running has given me a lot more confidence in my social um circles Mm I've I've developed some really strong friendships through running um 
I think that my relationship with my husband would struggle mm-hmm. because I I wouldn't have an outlet. I would um, just be at home and not, um, yeah, I don't have any other hobbies really. So mm-hmm. running and now bushwalking are it. Um, and I think I'm a better parent as well Yeah. because I, I think I set a good example and I'm much calmer, I'm much happier. Um, I had forgotten about this podcast that I'm doing this interview today, so I probably should have gone for a run this morning. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, probably also was ha- I'm happy that I listened to my body and it was tired, so yeah. that's important as well. But yeah, I think running, um, I don't think it can have a negative impact unless you're overdoing it, and so it's really important to listen to your body. Mm. And to know when you've reached your limit for that day, that week, Mm. um, that month, that year, you know, or if you want to push yourself, you know, you need to put it, make sure that you are listening to your body. That's, yeah. So I don't think there can be a negative impact. Mm. You haven't had um, many injuries. By the sound of it, you had the injury, which wasn't actually running related, but basketball related which put you out of running? I've played a game of basketball since. (laughs) Um, No, I've been very lucky to not have had too many injuries. I've had a a couple of minor um, muscle tears that I've been Mm -hmm. able to run through. Um, My ankle sprain was definitely the worst. I have had some issues with my back um, because in 2007 um, I came off a horse and collided with a metal gatepost. Mm-hmm. Um, we we were going very fast. It was great, um, and I I didn't anticipate the gate being closed, and so I wasn't worried about having to stop her. And the gate was closed, and so she went one way, and I went mm-hmm. the other. Oh, and I fractured um, the spinous and traverse processes. So they're the little pokey outy bits. Mm-hmm. on your your spine yeah and uh, but every now and then if I do too much and I don't stretch um I can have some back issues um falling asleep in bean bags after grade five six camp is <laughs> not <laughs> really good for that either and um but if I stretch and I look after my body then that's you know fine um, but other than that, I've been incredibly lucky. So. Just the thought of that. I'm just like, ah. Oh. I, I grew up with um, horses and, and rode horses right through to my childhood uh, and had a few yeah. falls, but never anything that actually had permanent. You know. That was the only break I've ever had in my entire life. Wow. So. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. It just makes me fall. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things. I know. Broke your back, and I mean, in reality, it wasn't that bad because it wasn't the actual spine. Mm. Uh, but I did have a lot of ligament bruising and damage. So be um, very tender and mm. yeah. So yeah. it took a little while, and I wasn't running when it happened. I was. Oh, I think I had actually just. I had done the Bernie Ten that year. Mm-hmm. Um. Because, yeah, I'd run with a friend and we trained for the Bernie 10, but it was, I can't, I think I did it in an hour and three minutes. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking it was just about one of the worst experiences of my life. <laughs> um, because we probably hadn't trained properly. And um, I don't think I'd ever run that far. Mm. So. I have noticed with me if I don't run for for a little while for some reason and often in this period of the year with Christmas and you're running around doing things with people instead of running four or five times a week I'm down to two or three times a week um, and that's when I notice my um, my core which I don't do a lot of extra work which I should but I notice that it's um it my back gets a bit sore then um, yeah. and the moment I start running more consistently you know, back up to four or five times a week, 
then my I don't ever feel my back at all. So yeah, it's interesting. Maybe your running has also helped you know, uh, keep that definitely. in check. I I fell pregnant with Logan not long after I I did it. Probably four four or five months after I had Logan, and I probably hadn't built up any. Um, of my core muscles again mm. and his, my pregnancy with him was okay but I mean pregnancy just destroys your body there's no um unless you're you know a millionaire and can afford a personal trainer and mm. um and things so my pregnancy with Addison which was uh, a year after I fell pregnant mm. with with Addison after, Logan was one, sorry, that's a really messy sentence. Mm-hmm. Um, Logan was one and Addison, yeah, when I fell pregnant with Addison and my back did not cope at all mm. with pregnancy then. So um, I remember crawling up the stairs. And so, again, having a fit and healthy lifestyle is so important mm. because you, I think you mitigate so many injuries because your body is strong. Yeah. Um, Whereas I wasn't strong, so my body didn't cope with, you know, something that was already going to cause trauma to my body. Yeah. Whereas pregnancy with Logan, even though I was hadn't built up those muscles, I still probably was stronger, mm. um, and yet yeah, held up a lot better. Yeah. Um, is there anything that you're looking forward to in the not very distant future for your running? Um. Just being able to go running is, you know, I feel very lucky to be able to do it. So there's no no goal, um, no no plan. Just run. Actually, no, you won't want to. I mean, I was thinking you could run the overland track uh, when you do (laughs) before you're forty. Can you imagine? I I did think about it, but you know, there's so much training. Mm involved in in that and it's such a long way it is a long way um i stupidly in my first year of teaching so i've only been teaching for six years but i I thought i've never had an ambition to run a marathon Mm -hmm. i'm happy with half marathons i think they're a really achievable distance um but i thought well maybe i could just train for one just to see if I could do it. Mm-hmm. And so I found a training plan and it was like, here, do this 30-kilometre run. And I was like, to do that, I would have to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and I did it. I, well, I didn't run that far, but I I think, you know, I had to do a 20-kilometre run and then, you know, a 30-kilometre run a week later. And mm-hmm. I was just like... And I did the, I got up at three to go and run 20 kilometres or something and I was just exhausted. So I went, you know what, I don't need to do that. A marathon is not something I need to do. So that's interesting. Running the overland track is probably not going to happen. Just walk it in six days, you'll be right. (laughs) Yep, absolutely. And I'll enjoy it just as much, if not more. (laughs) So... Kobe, it has been a delight to talk to you about your running, and I knew it would be. Um, can you? Is there anything about running in particular that we haven't talked about that you would like to share? I don't think so. I, I just, it's so just moving your body. Running is mm. um, has been life changing and life saving for me. I think in so many ways. Um, so I think if you can do it, if you can, you know, lace up a pair of shoes, then you should. Mm. Um, and, yeah, enjoy some fresh air. Yeah, I think it's, um, it's well, it should be taught in schools. <laughs> well, I, the, when I started on the 3-4 at Scottsdale, I implemented our daily PE was... Um, doing the daily mile so every day we'd go out and we'd run for 15 minutes and um yeah I had I did it for two years 
and they they loved it and it didn't matter it, it didn't matter that they got a popsicle stick every time they did a lap of the yeah. oval and it didn't matter whether they got four or whether they got ten um they the sense of achievement when they went i got six today and yesterday i only got four was huge so i'm actually hoping because i'll be at school four days a week even though i won't be in the pe role that i might try and implement that before school depending on my roster that's cool yeah so it's a you i think it started in wales actually Mm -hmm. um well i can't remember when and because they had a huge obesity problem mm-hmm. and they wanted kids to get moving. So they, yeah, this one school started it. I think it was the principal and the teachers would do it as well. And um, it goes right across the, the school and they have this track and they, you know, it's the daily mile. But um, so I don't know if they just have. Um, um, I can't remember if they just have a, you know, a mile yeah. course, kids do, um, but I didn't have that luxury, so we just mm-hmm. ran laps of the oval, yeah. and I figured 15 minutes mm-hmm. would allow most kids to achieve mm-hmm. a mile. Yeah. Um, obviously, some kids are going to run more than that, yeah. but yeah, so hopefully it's I, something that can be started. I read a book, it was a... Not just, it wasn't just on mindfulness, but what exercise does with our brain. But in there, there was a study that was done in the United States. Well, it was studying an activity that happened at a school, which then got replicated in a lot of places. But they had some, I assume, reasonably expensive equipment that the kids could do. So they'd go and do, say, it was like you said, the 15 minutes of, of just running around the track or whatever. And then, but it wasn't about who came first or that. It doesn't really matter if they ran, walked or whatever. It was just 15 minutes of moving really. And then they would go and um, hook themselves up to whatever the gadget was or the, that measured, you know, what it had done to their body. So, and then over the year, so they would do like, like you said, that um, five days a week they were at school. Um, the point was, and this goes to a point we spoke about earlier about them only really competing or looking at, how they're imp- they are improving, not comparing themselves to everyone else. So it was, um, and apparently that had a lot of a lot of success. So they could then look at you know a week after doing fifteen minutes a day, five days uh, for five days, yeah, they could really see the difference. So even if they yeah. weren't even feeling it yet, they're, they're, the things that don't lie, the science behind all of yeah. that was um, telling them how amazing. You know, it is for them. For yeah, so, um, yeah, I'm not sure how it'll look, but I think mm. that if I just say, you know, at 8.20 every morning you can come and do laps of the oval and then, you know, some kids might get there a bit later, so they might only run or, you know, do have five minutes yeah. or whatever. And, um, yeah. But at least they, you know, they're and if, they're watching, if other kids are watching, some kids do it, yeah. then I think that'll encourage other kids to do it. Yeah. And it won't matter. Yeah. So, we'll I see. Awesome. I can't wait to hear how that goes. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Before we um, go, the last thing I ask people always is, do you have any tips for beginner runners? I think the most important thing to do is to go and get a pair of decent shoes. Mm, that's a yeah. Um, yeah. Choose find find a training plan that you like. Mm-hmm. Um, have a goal in mind. Like know what you want to achieve. I think is really important. Um, and it doesn't it doesn't need to be you know I want to run the marathon. It can be I want to be able to run between this light post and and that light post. Yeah. Uh, without stopping. Um, but yeah identify a goal a small achievable goal and get a pair of running shoes Mm -hmm. and um, and see a specialist don't just go to any sporting shop Um, 
come and see Mike, really, at the running company. <laughs> if you're in Tassie, go to the running company in, uh, yep. in Launceston. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there are other specialists uh, in other states, but mm. I have never had any problems from Mike. And, you know, I've been into other stores and they're not experts. Mm. They don't, they sell other things. So Mike only sells running shoes. Yeah. Yeah. So, Good point. Mm. Um, and then you're less likely to get an injury. Yeah, which then and stops. Them. That's probably the three things. Shoes, a goal, and a group yeah. to help motivated. Yeah, yeah, the group's good. And there's so many groups in Launceston, and they don't care. They don't care if you can run five metres or 20 kilometres. They, they'll be happy to have you. Mm. That's good. It's very inclusive groups. I think it, on the podcast a number of times people have talked about how they didn't realise just how embracing a, the running community would be. And that's not yeah. just in Launceston, but I've talked to people all over, actually all over the world. But yeah. that running, people who run tend to be very inclusive to like encouraging other people to come along even if they've never run before. Yeah, really cool. definitely. Mm. I... Um, I've met so many amazing people. There's not one person that I've met through running that isn't awesome. Like, yeah, trying to think, and there's no, no one. No, they're all amazing. And with with that as a note, I will again don't jump off because I'll talk to you off the recording. But uh, I wanted to say again how grateful I am that you have jumped in to have a chat with us in what is your summer holidays before you get back into the school term very soon. So thank you so much for sharing uh, your inspirational story around running. I do appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Fit Mind, Fit Body podcast. I'd love to talk to you about your running journey. So send me a message on Facebook or on the website and let's do it. For a bunch of resources on mindful running that will help you get and stay mentally and physically fit, Head over to the website, fitmindfitbody.co, and I'll see you there. Plus, I'll be back here in your podcast player a few times a week. Hit subscribe now so that you don't miss an episode. And before you go, I'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a review. It'll help more people to find the podcast and get inspired to start running. I'll see you soon. Bye.